Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it can make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So here we go. Welcome back to Being Better Podcast. I'm very happy you're here and I hope you are having a lovely day. I had a very good week, which was not expected, but I'm going to talk about that later on. And now I just want to get into the episode because this week I had the absolute pleasure to talk with Flora Beverly. Uh, You also might know her as Food Fitness Flora. She is a fitness blogger, sustainability writer, a YouTuber, a social media consultant, an amazing runner just all of the things. Uh, Her content is a big source of inspiration for over 100,000 followers on different platforms where she shares how we can live healthier lives and also take care of the ones around us. I loved talking to her and I hope you will uh, enjoy our conversation because Flora shared a lot of advice on how we can be more sustainable, more mentally and physically healthy and just more happy. Personally, I have been following Flora for quite some time and I absolutely, absolutely adore her. She's just one of those people whose genuineness you can feel through the screen when you watch them and she's not afraid to cover any any meaningful topic uh, that she talks about in her productions. And she's also a scholar, which is not a common thing uh, in the fitness industry, but she is. She has studied biology and she really knows her stuff when it comes to our health and, and sustainability. And in the era of pseudoscience, I'm really drawn to these kind of people who can back up their claims with research and studies, which is definitely the case for Flora. Uh, but without further ado, here's our conversation. I really hope you enjoy it and I will speak to you soon. Hello everyone, welcome back. I hope you are having a lovely day and even if it is lovely, it's going to be so much better because today my guest is Flora Beverly. Hi Flora, how are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm so happy. It's been a very nice day. I got some work done and a workout in, but you know, I have now the pleasure to talk to you. And this is my highlight of the day, actually, because as uh, I told you, I'm very excited for this conversation. Um, For the couple of people who don't know you, uh, could you introduce yourself and just talk a little bit about what you do? For sure. So my name is Flora. I am a food and fitness blogger and sustainability writer. Um, I come from a background of biology and that's what I studied at university with specific focus on conservation biology and ecology, um, which is where my love of nature comes from. And now I write on my blog about all things to do with sustainability um, and mainly running, to be honest. There's a lot of running on there as well. Well, as always, all the things that Flora does, her channel, blog, Instagram, all the things will be attached in the show notes. So go there to check 
all of these things out. And um, let's move on to the recommendations. So Flora, each episode, I recommend something to the listeners that I have found interesting or educational or inspiring or just pleasant. So it can be a movie or a podcast, a product, whatever, just something that it's I think of it as something fairly accessible to the listeners. So um, when I have a, a guest on the show, I ask them to recommend something instead. Um, uh, so what could you recommend to, to me uh, or the listeners this week? Well, I've got a few things, actually, because um, it's so difficult to know what to recommend. And especially for me, <laughs> sometimes I want something really happy and cheery. And then other times I kind of want something where you actually learn something, you know, something very educational. So it can I'm... be as many things as you can. Okay, great. That's good to know. So the first thing, something that just fills me with delight, and I feel like we need a lot of delight at the moment, is watching Schitt's Creek on Netflix. It is the second time I've watched it. If you have never seen it, it is honestly the most delightful thing ever. And you know, it's not educational, it's not hard hitting, but it is just wonderful to watch and just makes me very happy. So that would be the first thing. The second thing um, is a podcast called uh, The Wardrobe Crisis. It's by a woman called Claire Press. If you're interested in sustainable fashion, she does a couple of podcasts, one called I Think Ethical Fashion and The Wardrobe Crisis has been going for a lot longer. And there's a great podcast um, episode recently with a guy called Jason Hickel. He is an economist and he's talking about degrowth. So essentially the concept that um, rather than having to increase GDP in a country um, year on year, and, and seeing that as a measure of kind of growth and success, you actually start to look at other factors of other measures of success, like um, uh, contentment within the population or health or happiness, whatever it is, something other than how big your country has grown in terms of the money that it's producing. Um, and I found that really interesting. And then one last one that I would always recommend to anyone who is interested in running and, and the science behind running is a book called Endure by Alex Hutchinson. Um, I've only read it once, but I'm definitely gonna read it again. And the great thing about it is that not only is it incredibly interesting and educational, but it also really makes you want to get out there and run. And um, Lord knows we need some motivation right now. <laughs> yeah, all the things are right up there up my alley. I love, um, I'm very interested in sustainability and um, slow fashion. And I think um, my uh, listeners are as well. So thank you so much for these recommendations. Um, and yeah, um, like I said before, I adore you. I mean, I've been following your work for quite some time now, and I always loved how much heart you put into making sure that your content is making an impact on <clears throat> the viewers. So I think for the listeners to understand uh, my level of admiration <laughs> that I have for you, I think uh, it would be helpful um, if they knew your um, journey with blogging and Instagram. So can you talk about how all of that started? Yeah, of course. So um, thank you very much. That's really lovely to hear. Um, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I started blogging or I started Instagram uh, over nine years ago now I think um, back when I was at school doing my I think it was my GCSEs at the time or the year after that um, and I started it as an eating disorder recovery account actually so not 
not so far from where it is today, but you know, today I talk about running, fitness, sustainability, that kind of stuff, strength really um, about being a good athlete. Whereas previously it was about recovering from an eating disorder, making sure that I was eating enough food day to day and kind of building a community of like-minded people, people who were also trying to have a healthier relationship with food. And it kind of grew from there really. Um, I was lucky enough to get in on Instagram um, relatively early on in its um, kind of infancy. Not many people had Instagram and the people who did had it have Instagram weren't using it as a kind of business platform and, and nor was I, absolutely. Um, and it, it grew from there. I started my blog, uh, my Twitter, my YouTube account relatively recently, maybe like three years ago or something. Um, and it kind of all grew very organically, actually. Um, you know, like I said, I was lucky to get in there early when very few people actually used um, social media in the kind of business sense as I do today. Um, and I didn't make it my job until much more recently. Um, after university, I went into science communications. Uh, so I worked in a press office at the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists in London. And I was working on kind of creating press releases and statements and stuff to do with uh, women's health. And after that point, I worked on the social media of a couple of similar brands and then ended up working full time on my own social media. So that's a kind of whistle stop tour of everything to do with social media. Yeah. So you started the blog, like, uh, from my understanding, as an experiment, right? So just to keep you accountable uh, in your eating disorder recovery. Um, so I'm just curious, when when did you become more serious about it and and what do you think was the point or the situation when you decided that you know maybe this is something that I want to stick with doing or maybe this could actually be a career yeah I never really thought it could be a career I still probably don't even think of it as a career it's more <laughs> kind of a means to do what I love and I'm lucky enough to get paid for it which I'm forever grateful for um but it wasn't it wasn't early on definitely you know I was treating it as a job but without getting paid for it for maybe six years um or five years or something it wasn't until I was finishing up here at university that really it started to become a kind of viable option but even then you know I'm so interested in science and biology and um writing that I kind of wanted to get some experience in that alongside doing the rest of my own writing and my own blogging. Um, so that's why I went into science media and science communications. Um, and that kind of ties quite nicely in, I think, with my own writing. And, you know, I still write for other publications as well about sustainability and biology and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you think that um, because you studied, you know, uh, biology in, in uni, do you think this degree is really useful in, in your work? Because um, it's it's interesting, you know, you went from a biology to uh, the fitness and food industry, which I think is uh, really uh, amazing. Um, so, and also, do you think you would make the same choice of of studying biology um, if you knew uh, that it would be, you know, such as you know, a possibility of of having um, this job and and also blogging and, and social media consulting? So, would you? Do you think it would make the same choice? Oh, absolutely. I mean, without a doubt, I didn't study biology because I wanted to become a biologist. I studied biology because I love the subject and that still holds true. I still absolutely adore 
biology and um you asked if it if it was kind of useful in in what I do today and without a doubt it is um a lot of what I do is researching scientific papers and without having studied biology um at university I never would have had the wherewithal the kind of the knowledge of how to trawl through a scientific paper and pick out the most important parts of it without having studied that. So I think it's really valuable for me. Um, but also, you know, I didn't study it to get a career as a biologist. You know, I didn't want to work in a lab and, and I knew that. I wanted to work in science communications and the science that I most enjoyed, um, although I did enjoy all science, um, was biology. But I studied physics and chemistry as well at school. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. But it's like, for me, um, it's really, I also love biology, by the way. Um, sustainability is just a way for me to um, express that I care so much about nature. And um, I'm also a runner. So I think for me, it was that I've always cared about nature, but running has been something that made um, this relationship with nature so much deeper. And I was just curious curious because I know that you've been a very active person since you were 18. Um, so do you think that sports are also the reason why you developed such a deep relationship with nature? Um, it's a good question. And no, I don't think so. I think previously I'd already been very into nature and the natural world. Um, and whilst I was very active as a child, I was never sporty. I really wasn't like um, sports was something that came a little bit later in my life um, when I was maybe 16 or so. So, you know, I was very active as a child. I ran around the place and, you know, liked walking and all that kind of stuff, but I never was in any sports teams at school. You know, I was always the one who was last picked in um, PE and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I was always very into nature, always very into, you know, looking at the sky and the trees and the beetles and the birds and trying to figure out what they were. When I was younger, I had an insane knowledge of every British bird and every British butterfly, what their caterpillars looked like, what the birds' eggs looked like. Um, and that was way before I started any sports. But you are right. Having an interest in running and spending a lot of time outside definitely give, gives you an increased appreciation for the outdoors. And I hope that that's something that over lockdown, a lot of other people will have realized as well. You know, when you don't have the pub to go to, when you don't have events, when you can't go to friends' houses, all you have is your house and the outdoors, really. And hopefully that means that people will have started to really appreciate the intrinsic value of the outdoors. Um, and I don't think we value it enough. Yeah, I think that um, a garden in these these days can become like a sanctuary because you are so sick of uh, of the house and sometimes the family that the garden can become really like a, a place of solitude. And I know you've done gardening in, in lockdown. I did as well. I tried um, uh, having uh, growing tomatoes, which was a big failure. Like, I don't know what happened. They were like sick and brown. And at some point they were, at, I don't know, I'm just disappointed in myself when it comes to these tomatoes but yeah I think uh it's it's a great opportunity uh this time that we have it's of course it's not ideal situation right now with with COVID but I think it's an opportunity for us to to have a deeper appreciation for for the outdoors 
Um, and speaking of, of sustainability, I wanted to ask you, um, what is for you um, the most important uh, way or, or, or a couple of important ways for you to stay sustainable in the era where we have so much packaging and, and plastic bags, uh, just single-use um, single packaging? So what tips can you uh, recommend to me and the listeners to make 2021 into a truly green year? Well, it's really difficult because so much of it is tied up in the society that we live in. So you can make the greenest choices that you want, but so long as we live in a society that puts profit ahead of um, sustainability, it, it's going to be quite difficult to live a truly, truly sustainable lifestyle. Um, one of the biggest things I would say is just to buy less overall. Um, I feel like, especially in lockdown, a lot of people have gone the way of being like, the only thing that I have at the moment is shopping. And and so many people are shopping <laughs> for um, not so much clothes, but things around the house and um, single use things, flowers, you know, the sorts of things that make you happy for 10 seconds when you first receive them, but don't necessarily make your life better overall. Um, so I'd say buying less in general, um, and the people who have the least impact in the world are the people who um, often have the least. And it's not because they're carrying around a keep cup and a tote bag, it's because they don't consume unnecessarily. Um, and, you know, I'm by no means perfect in this regard. I'm absolutely not, you know, I've just moved into a new house and I do get very excited about filling it with nice things. Um, although we do try to go secondhand as much as possible. Um, but yeah, I would just say like, be conscious about your purchasing decisions, use your purchasing power as well. So put your money where your mouth is, spend money in small, local, sustainable businesses. I mean, they need the help right now, as much help as they can get um, and just buy less overall. Yeah, I think that's really, a really great advice because, right, um, it's uh, sustainable stuff, sustainable products, slow fashion, it's still a production. It still needs um, the resources and the use of water and it's still emitting greenhouse gases. So I think um, having a more minimalistic approach is uh, is very important and I think is is uh, will become a, a, a game changer and right, using your voice too. Um, today I was, I uh, saw that Bill Gates is uh, releasing, I think today uh, he's releasing his new book, which is how to avoid the climate disaster. And I was a bit skeptical. Uh, I like the guy, but I don't know how much, you know, um, can he really talk about um, sustainability? But the thing is he, the biggest thing that, that he's, talked about is using your voice and right i think this is very important because our purchases our actions are what is um, accelerating the industry all the industries actually so so using your voice wisely um and buying uh, from brands that you know are making an effort to be better to be more sustainable i think this is um this is for me i think it's going to be more I think that I will have to try more because sometimes, you know, um, I see, you know, sustainable brands are a bit more expensive and sometimes I'm just like, oh, I don't want to spend a bit more. But uh, yeah, this is something, <laughs> a lesson for me as well to to make sure that I am supporting the brands that that actually uh, care. And uh, right, so since we are at the topic, I've been struggling uh, to find a good uh, sustainable 
activewear brand. And I just have a quick question. Uh, since you have so much experience in that area, do you have any recommendations when it comes to um, sustainable activewear? Well, I would always say um, if you need something new, always have a look at Depop first because buying secondhand um, is the best way because you're giving an item of clothing that's already been made a second chance at life um, and extending the life of our clothing is one of the best ways that we can reduce their environmental impact. So whether that's repairing what you already have or buying secondhand or having a clothes swap with your friends, um, obviously that's difficult at the moment, but uh, in general, if, if your friend is kind of bored with their wardrobe and you're bored with your wardrobe, then having a little switch um, can be quite a good thing to do. There are lots more sustainable brands coming onto the market at the moment and while I think none of them are perfect all of them are making a bit of a difference oh my god it's so sunny here all of a sudden yeah oh, look at me I'm looking like a white little, let's see angel angel that sounds good um, but some of my favorite sustainable brands are girlfriend collective Patagonia is amazing they're doing um really great stuff um sun-dried is really good Tara obviously is fantastic and there's a brand called peak and flow I don't know if they're still producing and I think that's because as a small brand if they don't get enough people buying from them um they can't survive and that's one thing that I was yeah. previously you've got to put your money where your mouth is like if we want more sustainable brands we have to buy from sustainable brands and that doesn't mean buying when you don't actually need the clothes but the margins for sustainable brands are much much smaller you know if you're buying from a fast fashion brand they can make things super super cheap and that's probably because they don't pay their garment workers properly and they don't use you know proper materials and their quality isn't as good so they don't need to sell as much to be able to survive as um, sustainable brands. So I think it's really important that we put our money where our mouth is and buy from those brands when we need new things, but not before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So first um, shop secondhand and then uh, all of the brands also will be attached in the show notes. I'm always, um, uh, the show notes are just for me, my favorite thing because I myself come back to it every time I have a guest on because I think it's our source of so many great recommendations. So go there to check out all of these brands. Um, and I also wanted to ask you um, about uh, your experience with um, your eating disorder, disorder recovery. Because I think it's an important topic these days in the era of, of social media. And I love that you are so open about your experience. And it's you are an inspiration for me. Uh, and, and, and also, I think, a, a living example uh, for everyone struggling that recovery is possible. And life post-recovery can be so great. Um, but what do you think... Um, are the changes, the biggest changes that help you stay motivated um, in your recovery? Um, I know that you, you you had your Instagram, so I think that's also uh, great. But, you know, as you said, that was an early stage of Instagram. And um, these days, I don't think it would work as great um, because it's a, it's a completely different place than it was like five years ago. So what what uh, changes would you also um, recommend um, these days? Um, in terms of sort of recovering from an eating disorder? Yeah, yeah, like uh, mindset changes and also um, your approach. Uh, what do you think was like the biggest thing that helped you um, in that recovery? Well, you say that I'm very open about it and I feel like 
eating disorders and a lot of um, addictions and that sort of stuff, they thrive in secrecy. And by having more secrecy, you allow them to exist. And so one of the most important things I would say is being able to speak to a professional, being able to open up about them. Um, and, you know, I am always reluctant to share sort of specific advice on my Instagram account because obviously everyone is so different and my form of eating disorder could be so different from someone else's and the triggers often are also very different. Um, but in terms of my own personal experience, mindset changes uh, actually came from sports. And again, this is something that I have to say, like, please speak to a professional if you are struggling, because actually yeah, for sure. extra sports, if you are suffering from an eating disorder is so not recommended. And I had to give up sports when I was recovering. So um, this can't, this shouldn't be taken out of context, but for me, being able to focus on being strong and being fit and capable was really, really important because previously I wanted to look a certain way and I only exercised to be aesthetically different to how I was. You know, I wanted stick thin legs. I wanted bones showing out everywhere. And it's, it's just not a healthy physique to be in. And by focusing instead on performance goals and enjoyment of exercise, I was able to shift my mindset away from thinking about what I looked like to rather thinking about what I was capable of. And kind of ironically, and as an aside, um, my aesthetic goals actually became far more realized when I stopped worrying about what I was looking like and actually just started thinking about, am, am I going to enjoy this exercise and giving up exercises that I hated and instead doing only the ones that I loved. And that's, that's very much my attitude now. And more than anything, I just try not to talk about how I look, you know, um, my Instagram I mean, Instagram in general is obviously a very visual platform, but I try not to say like, if I've gained weight, if I've lost weight, because to me, it's incidental. It doesn't matter. It's just a yes. byproduct of whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm eating, the life situation that I'm in and our bodies do change. You know, we're only human. We're not, we're not made of plastic. We're not a Barbie doll, you know? So we are going to change. That's just human nature. Um, and if we didn't, it would be worrying. And so I try not to talk about it at all because it is so irrelevant to everything that I do. Um, yeah. yeah, I think you do a great job. Like um, you post, uh, you know, pictures of yourself, but I would never, you know, see you uh, as someone who is um, creating some sort of um, like making, I don't think your viewers uh, make any expectations uh, to themselves just because they see you. And I think you do a great job to, to show um, that, you know, our bodies, bodies change and, and they, they they can do incredible things when they are respected and when they are rested and well fed and not overtrained uh, which sometimes I'm guilty of and I have to remember that you know a, a overtrained body is uh, the worst thing that you as an athlete um, can have and so you, I think you do a great job with with that um and I know you are also a social media consultant and I found that really interesting because I've recently came back to using social media after about a month long break. Um, and I have to say, it's been hard for me to find the balance, it, not using it too much. And, and also the comparison part of social media and 
I would say I'm a pretty confident person and I love myself and my work, but somehow I can forget all about that when um, I, you know, am on, on social media and I see um, people achieving what I'm dreaming about. And since social media is your job, um, you must have developed um, a, a way to use it wisely and, and healthily. So could you share how you make sure that a social media isn't a toxic place for you and also for your clients? Yeah, that's a really great question and something that I've spoken extensively about in the past. There was a very interesting study um, that was out in 2015, I think, 2016 maybe, um, that was about the different types of social media and how they impact people's mental health. And Instagram came out as the worst for self-worth um, and, and self-image. Um and that kind of made me sit back and think like, A, do, am I impacted by these things? And of course the answer is yes. And B, am I contributing to these things? And the answer could still be yes. Um, and so the, the first thing that I would always say is the great thing about social media and Instagram especially is that you can curate what you're looking at. You know, you've chosen to follow these people, you can choose to unfollow them as well, or to block people, or to restrict people, or to hide people from your feed. Um, and that's something that I would really recommend because it's your mental health you're talking about. Like, even if it's a friend of yours, by all means, mute them. If they're making you feel bad, get rid of them off your feed, speak to them in person. Because when you speak to someone in person, you realize all the different facets of their life. You realize that maybe they're having a hard time at work. Maybe they hate their family. Maybe they've just broken up with their boyfriend. But when you look at their Instagram feed, you see them on holiday or you see them achieving work successes. You know, you don't see the real picture. Um, and so I think it's so important to take care of yourself and unfollow people who make you feel bad about yourself and you don't have to feel guilty about unfollowing certain people you know it is your page you are the one who's deciding to look at those particular things and that doesn't absolve the people putting out particular content of responsibility um, to try not to make people feel like crap but if you're also following their page for whatever reason you've got to take some responsibility for that so unfollowing, I think, is like the major thing. Um, secondly, is trying to, um, and let me just have a think. <laughs> yeah, the second thing would be kind of essentially um, dictating to yourself how much time you're going to spend on social media. So as someone who spent nearly a decade of my life posting to social media pretty much every day, I have to take a step back sometimes and say, you know what, I'm not feeling good about social media at the moment. Um, for whatever reason it is, I'm going to take a step back. And I don't have to explain that to anyone. I don't have to explain it even to myself. If it's making me feel bad, I'm not going to go there. And I think if your job is to post on social media, then you have to have some strict rules about when you're going to do that, when you're going to look at your message requests, when you're going to reply to people's comments. And I tend to do things in bulk. So I will reply to everyone's comments the morning after posting a photo, for example. And then I won't check Instagram for a long time, maybe until the afternoon where I'll have a bit of a scroll or whatever. Um, and in doing so, I'm not spending my entire day on Instagram. And I think that really is the danger, um, is if you spend more time in virtual reality than you do in actual reality, and then your mindset just gets skewed. Um, and I think we all need to take a bit of responsibility for how we spend our own time. I think that's so important. 
Yeah, for me, um, the biggest problem I think is that um, I've I've made my Instagram feed as a really inspiring place. So it's made of uh, athletes and doctors or or uh, artists that I'm inspired by. But then, um, you know, when I started um, creating feed and content myself, I started to compare my work, which then was something that I couldn't escape because, you know, Instagram is, is the content. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm just rambling here because uh, for me, these conversations that I have on this, po- on this podcast are also um, just my curiosity and, and me trying to solve my problem. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, the listeners... I totally get that though, because you're making a page that makes you want to go out and do things. But I think our brains can't comprehend the fact that when you see a doctor doing amazing work and then an athlete also being super fit and then a celebrity looking amazing and then, you know, a CEO doing incredible things, you don't separate those out as separate people. You don't realize that the doctor is not also running a business and keeping fit. You don't realize that the athlete is not saving the world and being a CEO. You don't realize that those are separate people in your brain everyone is doing everything. And that's just so not true. And you have to remind yourself, like if someone's looking at your page, they probably think that you're doing everything as well. So you have to kind of give yourself a bit of a break. Yeah. I've actually never thought about that this way because yeah, you're right. Like we uh, don't separate these people. Like the Instagram is one big source of, of inspiration. And we don't think that, um, you know, the athlete and the doctor and the, um, the amazing uh, model is not one person. They're all different people, but for our brains, it's one stimuli is one source of, uh, of the inspiration. Yeah. I've never thought of this way. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, you're you're moved, right? It's you're uh, in Bristol, your new house, right? I am, yes. So how how has that been? Uh, you know, I think that moving is always so stressful, and and also making the space um, as homey as it can be. So, uh, what uh, can you talk about your experience with with making it uh, nice in this era? Because you want it to be also sustainable, and also it's COVID, so I think that uh, this experience. Uh, is more difficult than um, than it usually is, and it's already uh, so pretty stressful. So how how did you manage that? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't recommend anyone move during COVID times. It's very stressful. Um, but no, I mean, we we have been so lucky to be able to get this place. And my boyfriend and I have been together for nearly six years, and we've never lived together um, except you know under. A roof with rented accommodation or our parents you know with lots of with lots of other flatmates or whatever so we are so lucky to be able to be in this space and I have to say it's been amazing you know um not without its difficulties but I would say the benefits have far outweighed the negatives so far um but in terms of decorating this is a great question that I've actually been asked quite a lot because I feel like a lot of people want to know how to redecorate and how to make a place homely without having a huge impact on the environment and also, you know, our wallets. Um, So what I've been doing essentially is getting most things secondhand um, and Gumtree is amazing for that as is Facebook marketplace. So, I mean, it really varies depending on where you live, like down in Dorset, everything that we found on Gumtree was 
kind of from the 70s whereas now we've moved to <laughs> everyone's much younger and people have some cool stuff um and people just want to get rid of things like this so um when you go onto these places they're like selling them for a fraction of the price of what they would cost and quite often they're really good quality stuff so you know if you were buying things new you'd probably go to ikea or something to get the basics um and the problem with ikea is that most things are made from laminate or mdf or whatever and they don't retain their value it's kind of like buying a new flashy car within a year it's lost a good chunk of its value within two years you know a huge amount of its value and it's the same with kind of slightly cheaper new furniture whereas when you buy something secondhand you're buying something that's already lasted quite a considerable amount of time it's generally made from good quality materials if you choose well and also you know if it goes wrong within a year that's fine you know you're not buying something at great expense new um or you can pass it on to a friend or you can put it back on gumtree i just think it's so important to give these things second and third and fourth and fifth lives um and with furniture they're made to last. They're made to, to be able to last for a generation or whatever. So um, generally you can get some very sturdy stuff. And the desk that this my laptop is currently on is from Gumtree. The chair that I'm sitting on is from Gumtree. Um, most of the stuff in our house is secondhand. And then we bought a couple of flashy newer items um, just as kind of like statement pieces. And then the rest of the stuff was things from my rented flat beforehand. So things that I previously had in one room that I've now like spread across the whole house. Things that make it feel homely because I've had them for a long amount of time. Um, and that right. And also I think um, like secondhand pieces have so much more soul. Like you can have, right, a vintage piece, but it can create um, a feeling, um, like a unique feeling. You have, you know, all of these modern uh, furniture, but with that one vintage piece, it's just, it's so awesome. I am a big fan of um, overall secondhand shopping when it comes to furniture and also when it comes to clothes, because firstly, it's sustainable, but then it's, it's great for the wallet, for the soul. I think hunting for these pieces is always so much fun it's like yeah. I feel like on this I feel like I'm a, on a scavenger hunt so <laughs> when I'm <laughs> when I'm in a thrift shop or when I'm just uh, scrolling online through through these stores it's just I think it's so great and um if uh, someone is planning to I don't know um, have a new wardrobe or or new clothes or new uh, furniture whatever consider uh, secondhand shopping because I think this is the best way to um, be sustainable in the way that is easy. It's really easy. Um, I Like I said, you know, um, sustainable brands are usually a little bit more pricey and that's because the quality is bigger and, and they actually pay um, their workers. So um, so the, the price is completely obvious in that way but still there are a lot of people who just simply cannot afford and if you think that um the only way to be sustainable is to to buy these expensive great but still expensive pieces uh, you are wrong there are so many so many great things um and you have an instagram right with with your new home i also think that thank uh, you is so uh, you can see that you know with with the sustainable furniture you can still create an amazing space and see all the photos that that flora did and you can see it on their on her instagram and i think it's just so great because you can get inspired and 
I'm sure you will find as some of the furniture in your area as well. Yes, definitely. And also one thing that I would say is should not be afraid of just giving things a go. You know, I upcycled something I got from Gumtree um, and it looks so much better than it looked at the beginning. And I'm so happy. And it was initially a cheap piece of furniture. So me upcycling it wasn't going to reduce its value any further. It was already cheap and I made it look much nicer. But if it had gone horribly wrong, that wouldn't have been a problem. Whereas if I'd bought brand new a piece of furniture to upcycle it would it could have gone horribly wrong especially as my foot it was my first upcycling and I just think people should have less fear about just giving things a go you know painting the walls yourself not getting a decorator in most of us can't afford a decorator and actually just giving it a, a go by yourself make it makes it so much more rewarding and we've done everything it all except for one thing ourselves, And that one thing we got someone, a local tradesperson to come and do it. And then we finished everything up ourselves. So like we did the caulking, we did the priming, we did the painting all ourselves. And that saved us 150 pounds overall. Oh, and yeah, that's it great. And cost us like 16 quid for the paint. And that was it. So, you know, by doing things yourself, it may seem scary, but that's what YouTube's for, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can learn everything online. I think it's a great place to uh, pick up a hobby or renovate your house, I guess. Um, well, Flora, this has been such a pleasure. I really enjoyed uh, talking to you. And I think I can speak for the listeners as well when I thank you for the advice uh, that you shared with us today. Um, and before we part ways, do you want to plug uh, anything else? Um, no, I mean, come and have a look at my Instagram page. Um, that is at Food Fitness Flora. I have my blog as well, which, like I said, is kind of what I love to write on. That's foodfitnessflora.blog. My home account is at Back to Bristol. Um, and I have Twitter and YouTube as well that you can generally find all of those things from my Instagram account. Okay, so... Uh, Again, for the who knows which time uh, <laughs> this show, uh, all the recommendations are going to be in the show notes. Um, so go there for all the goodies. And Flora, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, and see you, hopefully. Thanks so much for having me. See ya. Is it recording? Oh, it is recording. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Flora. I really liked it. I think there was a lot of insight packed in this short conversation. Um, I was at the beginning of the show, I was talking about my week. It was a good week, which like I said, I did not expect um, simply because... I just had a lot of like stuff to do, which I wasn't looking forward to. Um, but actually it turned out that it wasn't that bad and I did it and I survived and it actually wasn't even that bad. And I even had some time to uh, get some workouts in, uh, which was nice. Running in the snow is hard, I gotta say. I don't even have like proper trail running shoes, so it's like slippery and stuff. So I also like didn't expect that this week I would, you know, um, get some nice running in but actually I did and the weather was so nice that I <laughs> didn't even uh, mind the snow so that was all nice and well what also really improved my week was um, that I've been reading Tao Te Ching uh, which is this old book I forgot like 
I'm not even sure what the author is, but uh, I remember that it's not really known what who is the author because the book is like 2,500 years old. Uh-huh. So it's it's an old book, but it is so, so wise and just packed with a lot of great knowledge just because um, the book was, um, it is said, the legend says, that the book was um, written by this wise thinker for a king, uh, you know, those 2,000 plus years ago. And the book is amazing. I'm planning to do a book discussion on it next week because it is like mind-blowing. So that is what has improved my week um, thus far. If you want to read it before the book discussion next week, which is, you don't have to do it, but if you would like to, it is a short book. So if you start today <laughs> or it's it's like not even 100 pages so you can read it in um even in one sitting but it i decided not to read it like in one sitting because i need to digest some of the information from uh, that book but if you want to uh, grab that book it's really cheap on amazon like i don't know three four dollars um so buy it and then you know next week you can fun girl uh, or fun boy over it uh, with me so that's gonna be probably the next week's episode but all of that is still not my insight of the week and my insight of this week is um i bought some sheets and some nice duvet for my bed which um <laughs> like i said i'm a really low maintenance person so if something is working, I usually don't tend to buy anything else. I just don't see the reason. Like, I don't have a lot of jewelry. I don't focus on buying a lot of makeup. I have, like, a few staple pieces and I don't care. And I don't really like to buy stuff. But I decided that you know, it's time my uh, sheet is completely ripped and has holes in it. And it's time to get something better. And I gotta say, it is so nice to invest in high measure things in your life. Uh, And when I talk about high measure, what I mean is that in our lives, we have things which are high measure and low magnitude or high magnitude and low measure. So for example, a low measure thing would be, right, your bed um, or your glasses or your computer. Those are the things that you use every day um, and you use them a lot. And the small difference in the quality of these products makes a big difference in the convenience of your life. And then when it comes to the magnitude, uh, things of high magnitude would be a snowboarding trip, a buying a jacuzzi or something like that this is something that brings you joy a lot of joy and a lot of emotion and and happiness but in a really short amount of time like you have the snowboarding trip it's nice and you love it and you have so much fun but then you come back home and the rest of the year you know that money is not affecting your everyday happiness in that year So um, 
my duvet purchase is worth it for me to spend some you know money to make it good because spending extra 150 or whatever amount of dollars on high measure products is worth it completely worth it so products like you know your desk your chair um your uh, hat your jacket i think these purchases are something that is completely worth spending more money on but actually uh, in my approach i don't tend to spend a lot of money on high magnitude so I don't really spend a lot when it comes to like buying expensive jewelry or, you know, cars or um, expensive gifts, whatever. I, I think that those low magnitude things that you use only, you know, once a year, like this, those weird trips. Um, I mean, I like traveling, but I think it is better for me to spend less on my travels, on my accommodation or on my... Um, uh, plane tickets and I want to spend as little money on traveling as it, as I can because you know it's only a week or two of my whole year and I prefer to spend and invest in the high measure purchases instead so this basically what I'm trying to say here is that this week I invested in myself and I bought myself some you know better quality duvet and actually like it is it is really nice and it those little little because you know it's not the best duvet in the world the difference in quality is not that big but it makes a difference when each time when you go to bed you can feel that oh it's a little bit softer it's a little bit nicer and this small difference makes a big difference when you use the product every day and each time when you just go to bed you feel it's it's nice and so this is basically what I've learned this week that you should invest in those high measure purchases because it's actually kind of a good way to be more sustainable and more minimalistic because if you um, buy stuff that are of better quality they suit you longer you're usually supporting uh, better brands because actually if if the product is a little bit more expensive they usually uh, pay their workers and maybe you know maybe they are sustainable depends on the brand but yeah I guess um (laughs) what I've learned is that sometimes it's better to spend some more to improve those little everyday products that you use so that was my insight of this week I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode, to the interview and to my random ramble which I do each week if you did please leave a review and subscribe to the show. Um, I think when it comes to the reviews, it's the, be- the best way to do that is to do it on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And that really helps the show and it makes it easier for others to find. Thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you very, very soon. written, edited and produced by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the show notes or visit our Instagram page by just searching Being Better Podcast. 
If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about it, either by the spoken word, by just telling them, hey, I listened to this podcast and I really like it and you should do it as well. Or you can also share it on your social media platforms. Another way to help the show is to write a review and subscribe because this is the way to help others find it as well. Thank you so much for listening and I will speak to you in the next one.